After a night in the cosy little underground house, Oren and Arthur decided that, much like the kinder people who had left just before them, they too would need to leave this little island and venture out into the Redlands. They looked through the cupboards in the little house, and there was food that would only go bad if it was left. They picked up the tea towels that were hanging over the towel rail by the fire, and they tied bundles of food inside them. Then they climbed up the ladder and found sticks and tied the bundles to sticks and hung them over their shoulder like they'd seen in picture books. They made their way down to the beach. This was no ordinary beach, and it was no ordinary river. The river was lava, thick, molten red lava that bubbled and gurgled and smelt like rotten eggs. Oren and Arthur had read enough books to know that lava was something to be wary of. It was hot, melton rock that could burn through anything. How will we ever get off this island, said Oren. It's surrounded by lava. I don't know, said Arthur, and he picked up a stone and threw it into the flowing red stream. It sank and was out of sight, leaving only a bubble behind. All along the beach, where the trees met the rusty sand, were tree trunks that had fallen down. Arthur suggested that maybe they should try and put one of them into the lava stream and see if it would burn up or if they could use them to make a bridge or a crossing to get to the other side. They used all of their strength to haul the biggest tree trunk they could find across the beach and when they reached the lava's edge they pushed it from behind out into the stream. To their astonishment it didn't hiss and bubble and burn. The tree trunk floated there like it would if it was on a thick mud flat. The lava was moving slowly past them, not like a fast gushing river. It inched like a thick sauce. The two of them knew exactly what to do. They went and collected as many of the tree trunks as they could. One by one they pushed them out into the lava stream, until there was a collection of logs that reached all the way to the other side. Well, there's only one way off this island, said Arthur, and that's it. I know, said Oren, but... But this isn't water we're talking about, this is lava. If we fall off, we can't and we won't fall off, interrupted Arthur. Now come on, it's our only option. Arthur led the way. Luckily they pushed so many trunks out that it wasn't single file all the way. As Arthur stood onto the first log, it bobbed up and down. OK, here goes, he said, and he put his arms out wide to the side and balanced like a tightrope walker as he walked across. He imagined that the lava was grass and that made it easier for him to balance on the logs. The second he smelt the eggy smell and remembered how dangerous it was, he began to wobble. Grass, he thought. It's just grass. When he got to the end, he realised that although from where they were it looked like the logs reached all the way across, there was a gap and he had to jump the last bit. He didn't want to scare Oren. He took a big, deep breath and regretted it for it was eggy and rancid. He eyed up the shoreline and then closed his eyes and leapt with a leap of faith. Only when he heard his feet land on the brittle stones did he dare open his eyes. I did it, he said to himself, and he turned round and waved over to Oren on the other side. Oren copied what Arthur did, and he made it all the way across. But when he came to the gap, the thought of the lava between him and the shoreline filled him with dread. You can do it, Oren, said Arthur. It's okay. Oren looked down and then looked up at his friend. Just do it, he said to himself, and he jumped into the air. 
Arthur watched as his friend sailed through the air and was horrified when he saw only his front foot was going to make the beach. Oren's back foot landed in the lava. No! cried Arthur and he ran forwards. Oren looked at his foot in the lava and he looked at his friend. It's not hot, he said. It's not hot! What do you mean it's not hot, said Arthur. It's lava. It must be hot. It's not, I'm telling you. It's like, well, it's slightly warm. It's like mud. And he turned around and he picked up a handful of leaves and threw them into the lava. See, they didn't burn. It's not hot. Then he scooped at the lava again and he threw a handful of it at Arthur. It splattered all over his face and Arthur felt for himself. It was just warm. Arthur ran down to the shoreline and scooped some up too and threw it back at Oren and the two of them had a lava fight and giggled with delight. When they'd run themselves low on energy and sat there panting and giggling on the rocks, they looked out at the lava flow in front of them and up at the volcano. This is a very different world, isn't it? said Arthur. Like nothing I've ever heard of, replied Oren. After a short break, they set on their way up over the foothills of the towering volcanoes. When they reached the top of the first foothill, they came to a woods. It was a strange woods. All the trees were twisted and gnarled. They were covered in soot, and although they still had leaves on the trees, those leaves were black as charcoal. Well, there's only one path, said Oren, and it goes through these woods. I know, said Arthur. I'm not sure I like it. They looked up and the sky was turning red and they knew that that meant soon nightfall would come. As they walked through the woods it got darker and darker. Nightfall came before they reached the other side. It was so dark that the shapes of the twisted trees tricked their minds and made them think they were seeing things. Then they heard something and they stopped in their tracks. It sounded big and it was coming towards them. They peered through the bushes in front of them and there they saw. Four huge creatures. They were far bigger than humans, even grown-up ones, and they were terrifying to look at. They were covered in black and red fur and had grey sheep horns that twisted out. They had dirty, wonky, dribbly teeth. I'm really scared, said Arthur. Me too, quivered Oren. As they saw these beasts, it made them recoil backwards, and as they did this, one of the twigs that they were standing on snapped and the four beasts looked in their direction. Shh, hushed one of the beasts. I think I heard something, it said. Oh, you always think you heard something, said the others. I did hear something. He was over there in the bushes. All right, all right, I'll have a look, said one of them. Now step back. And this big, terrifying-looking beast walked closer and closer to the bush where Oren and Arthur were hiding. It poked its sniffling nose into the bushes, and then it spotted them. Ah! You're right! It said. There's something in there! There's definitely something in there! Hide! All of these big, scary-looking beasts ran and hid behind a big rock. Of all the things that could possibly happen, that was not what Oren and Arthur had expected. How could these huge, big, scary-looking beasts be scared of them? 
I think they're still there. They could hear the big one saying behind the rock. Who's going to go and see why they've come to get us? It said. Then they heard the littlest one speak. Maybe they haven't come to get us, it said. Not everything's come to get us. You're always thinking the worst. It might be fine. Why else would something be hiding in the bushes at night? Said the big one. I'm going to go and have a look, said the littlest. I'm sure I'll be fine. And they saw the littlest one come out from behind the rock and walk towards them. She too poked her nose into the bushes. Have you come to get us? she asked. No, said Orin and Arthur. Have you come to get us? What? Come to get you? said the little one. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> Can you do me a favour? Could you come and prove to my big brothers and sisters that you're not here to get us? Uh, okay, said Orin and Arthur. And they tentatively came through the bushes and followed this creature around the rock. There they saw the others huddled, cowering behind it. See, they're not going to get us, said the little one. You tell them, they don't believe you, you know. <clears throat> uh, we're not, said Orin, clearing his throat. Are you sure? said one of the biggest ones. I'm quite sure, he said. We've come here to try and find the red crystal. The kinder prism has broken, and the Mora people are digging in to all of the provinces to try and take their precious metals. We're here to help, and I promise you, of all the things we're here to do, it's not to get you. Slowly but surely, the beasts cowering behind the rocks stood up and looked at them. You'll have to excuse us, said the littlest one, but although we look big and scary, we're... We're not that brave, really. We're the Vulcans. And we're very friendly, despite our look. I'm sorry to say that it's bad luck on that red crystal of yours that you're after. You see, we all know it's up the top there. And it's probably been taken by the dragon, so I think this time you're probably going to have to just not have a red crystal. I don't think that's an option, said Arthur. We're going to have to find it. I don't mean to be rude, but if you expect any of us to come up there to the top of that mountain and snatch that red crystal off that dragon, then you're on your own, friends. But look, tonight, do you want to stay here? Because it's a bit dark and creepy out there. Yes, please, said Orin and Arthur. That would be lovely. Right, it's settled, she said. They're staying with us. All right, said one of the bigger ones. Well, just in time for tea. Would you like a cup of tea? The boys were just about to say yes, but then they saw one of these creatures taking a cup, filling it with warm water, and then sticking their finger up their nose and swirling that finger around in their cup. Cupper? asked one of them, thrusting a cup in front of them. Um, no thank you, said Oren. We'll be okay. Maybe just some warm water on its own, he suggested. Not a problem, said the Vulcan, and it went and fetched two cups of un- snotted water. Just to be really silly, Arthur stuck his finger up his nose and then he stuck it in his water and swished it around. Look at that, said one of them. He's just like us. And they all laughed. Supertime, said one of them. And it brought out a huge plateful of what can only be described as sludge. 
It smelt like compost and there was flies buzzing around it. Do you want some? said the littlest one. Um, what is it? asked Arthur. Oh, well, contrary to common belief, we do not eat meat and we as vegetarians. And what we like to do is ferment our food. It's good for the gut. It pointed to what could only be described as a compost heap. Orin and Arthur could actually see worms and things wriggling in and out of it. These creatures were picking up scoopfuls of it and very lovingly picking out the worms and setting them free again and then heating it up in a pan on a fire. Um, said Orin, we've actually got some food in our bags that is um, it's going off a bit. Um, so I think we'll eat that first, but mm, it looks really interesting, he said, trying not to be rude. Not a problem. Please, come dine with us, it said. And so they all sat there on a big, long wooden table, eating their food. Orin and Arthur had to not look at the Vulcan's food. It made their tummy feel weak. After supper, the littlest one said, Can they sleep in my room? But her big brother the one that had found them first in the bush, butted in. No! I found them first. They're sleeping in my room with me tonight. Come on, friends, he said, and he grabbed them by the hand and led them up a narrow path to a stone door in the side of the hill. You have to excuse my little sister, he said. She's called Snoz. Oh, and my name's Sniz, by the way. Orin and Arthur introduced themselves, and when they got to the stone door, Sniz opened it and welcomed them in. Welcome to my bedroom, he said. Make ourselves comfortable. And he pointed to an area where they could make themselves a little bed. Sniz had a bed made of stone, and it looked most uncomfortable. Sniz was such a wriggler at bedtime. He wriggled this way and that way, and kicked about in the air, and he fell out of bed three times. He just couldn't seem to find the comfy spot. And just as the boys were nodding off, Sniz said, Thank you for coming to, to help us, and I'm sorry I was so scared of you. That's okay, Sniz, said Arthur. And just as they were nodding off again, they heard Sniz speak through the dark. Um, excuse me, said Sniz. Yes, said Oren. Can you do me a favour? Uh, yeah, sure, what? He replied. Can you have a look under my bed? said Sniz. Um, y- yeah, why? said Oren. It's just I'm scared there might be something under there, said Sniz. All right, said Oren, and he got out of bed and checked under Sniz's bed. There's nothing under there, Sniz, honestly. Thank you, said Sniz, and Oren went back to bed. Just as their eyelids were meeting each other. Excuse me, said Sniz again through the dark. What is it? said Arthur this time. Um, don't suppose you could check behind a curtain for me also? Arthur tried not to giggle, and he got up and checked behind the curtain. There's nothing behind here, Sniz, said Arthur. Are you absolutely positively sure? he asked. Yes, I'm absolutely positively sure. Okay, thank you, said Sniz, and they all settled down again ready to sleep. Excuse me, said Sniz a third time. What now, said the boys in unison. Just one last thing, 
What is it, Sniz? said Oren. Can you check behind the door, just in case? Okay, said Oren, and he got up and he checked behind the door. Sniz, there's nothing behind the door, said Arthur. Okay, thank you, he said. And with that, the three of them fell asleep.